Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really honored. Um, today we're going to do something really different um, in order for us to gain more knowledge and decode uh, our history, our past, Atwa, all that lies in between the currents that form our waves, that is Hindustan. Um, and I have spoken about this before, but I wanted to dedicate a chapter only to this. Uh, and so we get right down to it. It's called Graphology. I would like you, if you are at home or anywhere, to go to my Facebook page. Uh, it's called Regimes, uh, sorry, Religions, Regimes and Refugees. That's Religions, Regimes and Refugees, uh, like with the podcast. And if you go to Facebook, I am there. And you will see I have posted... Um, I have posted art from the Taj Mahal, um, writings, Quranic writings uh, that the, the Taj Mahal has been uh, written uh, with, the surahs, um, and it's really on the first page, and you can click uh, my photos that that uh, they are on my site. Click onto them, and we're going to talk about it. Okay, so graphology, uh, handwriting uh, is an um, is an analysis of your handwriting, okay? So handwriting analysis date back many centuries ago. Graphology is a discipline that investigates personality and intellect of individual through writing. Indeed, handwriting of the human being is an expression of his or her essence. Graphology examines a, a writing in order to extract unfiltered information about innate temperament and the subconscious nature of who... Uh, has traced these letters, okay, um, and I've got this um, online, the science repository, um, and on another side, LinkedIn, um, it says handwriting analysis is, is about more than just neatness, okay, uh, a trained uh, graphologist can pick about 3,000 plus unique patterns in handwriting that sum up our personality, Um so, the history of graphology, and this is very interesting, the oldest interest towards graphology has been found in India and starting from the year 2000 BCE. Uh, it spread to China, where the art of handwriting uh, was has also been carried out in order to understand the nature of man. Several centuries later, in Greece, philosophers... Uh, like Aristotle, dev devoted attention to the meaning of the scripture. For Aristotle, in fact, it was important to capture the expressiveness of writing gesture, considering it an element of revelation um, or way in which the soul is conceived. After long pause during the Middle Ages, graphological studies uh, seems seem to percolate since the 17th century, in particular Bologna, the professor of logic and metaphysics. Uh, Camillo Baldi reported currently valid empirical and scientific observations in the treatise entitled How from a missive letter one can know the nature and qualities of a writer. So... Um, Graphology, the beautiful thing is it's communication of your brain to your hand and finally reflects on paper. Okay, uh, graphology is basically a polygraph to decipher, to decipher oneself. Everything put on paper is a result of a two-way circuit on your brain and your, mo and your motor reflex muscles of who you are. 
Uh, so it's really a polygraph of what your inner self. Uh, that's because we are a cosmic field. As I've said before, we are an energy field. We are the cosmos. The cosmos has evolved for billions of years. Uh, as the sun comes uh, at a perfect distance between, uh, the, as the earth comes between a perfect uh, oscillates between the perfect distance between the sun and in, in the cosmos and this gives us atmosphere we've evolved into uh, life forms uh, the five uh, uh, features of of the cosmos uh, of the earth uh, wind water air fire and uh, I can't get the other one wind water air fire and sorry I can't get the other one but you know the five elements that are most important and from that, we got the species. We photosynthesize into species of life, and the species of life um, then metamorphosize into uh, flora and fauna, and uh, the individual species, and um, to give us who we are. So at the core, we're all different species, uh, but we are still the cosmos. We are run by an energy field, and our energy field roams in cycles as currents and waves. So if you haven't, uh, don't know what I'm talking about, go to the beach, uh, look at the waves, and understand what's forming the waves, the currents. So like the currents, our energy field are currents and waves. And we come to the beach, we, we reduce in speed and strength, and we go back. And so currents and waves are who we are. Um, but we're cosmic, cosmic energy field. The cosmos, the uh, the Earth oscillates around this um, around its axis. It takes twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty years. Uh, so for one degree, uh, we take seventy two years, and that's who we are. We are cosmic energy field. Uh, when the cosmos, when there is a shift in the axis of the planet, that means our energy shifts, uh, and you will see. Uh, it, it, it records in yourself, it records in your DNA, and you get trauma, and your energy field also uh, is traumatized. It goes through a, 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 a shift, so to speak, and that uh, tells upon who you are. So um, many people, we see, we see um, for, for an example, I'll give you an example, um, we see the Central Asians, okay, and we have from Central Asia people who uh, empires have come down, Genghis Khan, we've got uh, Timur, uh, we've got the different empires, we've got multiple and multiple empires, uh, the Mongol Empire, the Ottoman, the Seljuk, but they're absolutely aggressive and corrosive, okay, and you wonder why generation after generation after generation of, of, of these people have come down from, this, from Central Asia, and they are so aggressive, it just doesn't stop, they always have been like this, the only reason why someone is so imbalanced is because they would have gone, their, their metaphysical field, their energy field is out of balance, so there's no balance in their field, they are out of sync, their chakras um, have, have, been, uh, have, have been traumatized. The only way it could be traumatized is there could be a massive cataclysm in their area, okay, so a huge volcanic eruption thousands of years ago, and this volcanic eruption was so big that it shook, the, the epicenter was somewhere in, the, in, in Central Asia, and because it was in Central Asia, 
the people, the species of life, the ground, the species, all species of life around, uh, recorded this massive cataclysm in their DNA, and uh, the axe of the planet went was hit just very much like you have the 2011 uh, uh, tsunami earthquake in um, in Japan. So the axe of the planet took a hit, uh, which means the the our uh, energy field of every species was hit and went out of sync, went out of balance, so your chakra is completely out of balance. And when, you ha- it's, when your chakra is out of balance, you have to re-engineer it. But that extends to your body, to your mind, and it reflects to your motor muscles, and it reflects in your um, activity, your daily activity. You're traumatized, so your trauma is repeating like currents and waves. It just repeats and repeats because your your mind, your, your acts, your metaphysical is completely out of sync. And if you don't know how to put it back, if you don't know how to meditate or unload, uh, go back in time and, and understand the different cycles that have brought you here, you are continuously going to be like that. And that's why you see Central Asian art is very, very traumatized. You have all the trauma coming from there, Genghis Khan, or Central Asian um, uh, empires. You have Timur, you have the Seljuks, uh, the Ottomans, the Mo- the um, you have um, the Mongols, all of them coming from this area. That's because there has been massive trauma. So through that tr- handwriting, and you see their handwriting, you can understand the trauma in their minds. Um, and today we're going to talk a little about of their art and gra- through graphology, so it's so that you can understand what what it means. So handwriting can be a way to understand your personality. Your conscious mind determines what you write, and your subconscious mind controls how you write. Personality characteristics can be analyzed by size, by pressure, by speed, by spacing, slant, and over 20 other elements. Okay, um, so it's 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 absolutely amazing to decode this, um, and um, basically, uh, of all that I learned in graphology. Um, when lines are crowded together, when they're overlapping loops, the person is confused in his thinking, poor organization of time and space, and overtly familiar. Okay, um, Lines that are evenly spaced, separated, clear thought, able to organize work, Okay, the amount of spacing that a writer leaves between a letter, words, and lines indicates their general compassion, how they react in close personal associations in relation to their overall environment. Okay, uh, when someone writes with light pressure, gentle cultural, uh, and it, it they, are, they avoid confrontation. Sedentary prefers intellectual speech, uh, intellectual approach. Um, pressure is an indication of the physical and emotional energy of the writer at the time of writing. Okay, So medium pressure, perspective, good memory, conservative. Light pressure, gentle, con- cultural, avoids confrontation. Uh, small... Um, the letter size, okay. The small middle zone, reserved, intelligent, modest, uh, unassuming, ability to concentrate. Large middle zone, demands for attention, needs elbow room. Um, 
And so that's very, very important to, to understand. Um, the, the most important part in all of this is, is what I've been trying to say, is the spacing, okay? The amount of space the writer leaves between the letters and the words and lines indicates their general compassionability, how they react in close associations and, and relation to overall uh, environment. Okay, that's basically what I wanted to tell you on this particular point. Uh, there are even apps about it in um, on on um, you go into your apps, um, Android or or for Apple. Uh, there's an app called Future by Handwriting um, on um, on the Mac Store. You can download it. Uh, basically, like I said, your brain guides your hand. Everything put on paper is a result of two-way circuit between your brain and the motor reflex muscles of your hand. Thus, handwriting becomes the polygraph or oscilloscope to read out your complete self. Uh, to you, it's just handwriting, but to a handwriting analyst, it paints a picture of your person behind the pen. Very, very important. And this, my dear friend, we are going to use to decode uh, architectural architecture artwork on the Indian subcontinent. Like I said, I've already spoken about this. Uh, and we're going to go back to it and concentrate on this. So I'm talking about the Taj Mahal. And on my Facebook page, you will see art of the Taj. Okay, so you see uh, on the third picture, you have the not talking about the calif calligraphy. I'm talking about the flowers, the space, uh, the the lo the lotus. There is space between every single character. It's not overlapping. It's very space spaceful, uh, spaceful, sorry. There's a lot of space between, there's art, it's structure, okay? There's a lot of structure on it. You can go to even the tombs, you go to the tombs and you will see, uh, I've pasted it on my, on my, on, on one of the images, um, where the tomb does not have calligraphy, uh, Arabic calligraphy, you have other letters, uh, other art, you have the art that is normally found all around the Taj, and you will see that this space, there's no overlapping, okay? And what did I say about space? The amount of spacing that a writer leaves between the letters and words and lines indicates their general compassionability, how they react in close personal associations, and in relation to their overall environment. Okay, so there's, there's culture, there's respect, there's appreciation, there's intellect, there's clear thought, there's ability to organize work, um, and you will see that again and again and again. Okay, uh, now I've put some pictures of the inner rooms of the Taj, and you can see very clearly that uh, there is art. Again, there's structure, there's, there's uh, lineage, there's lines, um, there's space between all the architecture. Now we're going to go to the calligraphy, okay? The Arabic calligraphy. Look at the calligraphy very clearly and look how it's so close together, okay? This is specific uh, Mughal calligraphy, Mughal uh, art, uh, Arabic art. 
um, that is an extension of Mughal energy. The people who came from the Mughal times, who came from the Mughal um, descendants of the Mughals, or probably even descendants of the Ottomans who came over. Um, and now look on the left side, I have one picture, one, I think the third picture, my third picture on, on my, my, my picture list is you have the Arabic art and on one side you have the um, Vedic art, okay? You can see the flowers, you can see the lotus. Uh, you see there's no overlapping in the lotus, in the flowers, okay? Uh, but look at the calligraphy on the um, the side of the uh, on the suras. The suras are written uh, not all about the place, only on the front of the on the tombs and on the front of the Taj, the the facade. You will see it's close, it's overlapping. And it's looping. It goes below the the, the normal rasams. Um, there is in between. There are lines. Uh, there are accents in between. Cutting, um, cutting the the words. The uh, alpha the the alphabet. Uh, there is no structure. It is very corrosive. Very aggressive. It's dark. There is no colors. It's all black. It's telling you a story that they are very, very traumatized individuals. They are completely dis distorted. Uh, they have no structure. They have no intellect. Okay, um, confused in their thinking. Poor organizations of time and over and overtly time and space. Um, they are not clear of thought. They are not able to organize their work. It is there is a lot of trauma. And you can see it very, very clearly. Uh, now I'm going to ask you to look look at the other pictures of the art. You go into my pictures, and you will see again the difference uh, on the inside. I think there is um, there is again calligraphy in in squares. Okay, uh, sorry, rectangulars. All over the arches, the on the Taj, you will see that. There is calligraphy, Arabic surahs written uh, over the arches. Absolutely aggressive and corrosive and insulting to watch. Very, very insulting. And all of a sudden, below the calligraphy, you have a completely opposite artwork that is space, that is color, that shows you um, the heritage of the Indian subcontinent, color about the place, and you have then on top of it traumatized individuals writing in black, uh, with no structure, no artwork, just corrosive calligraphy that is uh, is is insulting. Now you go again to you go again to the Taj and you go look at specifically uh, the tombs. So on the tombs you have artwork, flowers, which is not Islamic. And now you go to the center of the tombs and you will see the surahs written on top of it. Okay, and it's black. It doesn't match the color. If it was the same field, the same uh, uh, art uh, calligrapher, if it was the same era that was built, uh, it was made, the surahs would match exactly the artwork, the color, the space, um, the distance, 
it would not be suffocated. It would not be close uh, in close context with each other. There would be space. So it doesn't match. The art of the surahs does not match the handwriting and the artwork on the tombs. It is two different groups of people, two different eras, completely, totally. Uh, there's at least a thousand years between them. Okay, now I'm going to take you, we've already spoken about this, I'm going to take you back to something, the, the Qurans, the earlier Qurans, I've posted it on my website on Facebook, and you can look at the earliest, earliest Qurans, okay, so we'll start from the first one, you see it, it doesn't, it doesn't overlap. Okay, this is 7th century Quranic work, doesn't overlap, it's very uh, old Quranic work, so it doesn't look very nice, but it's written on top, uh, there, there's scripture, and it's written on top of a previous scripture, so it looks a little bit uh, wacky, out of place, but believe me, it, it's not. There is art in it, if you look at just the, 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 the darkened writing, it's, it's not even black, okay, it's brown, and there's space, Okay, there it doesn't overlap, it doesn't loop, it doesn't uh, go into uh, into one another. The alphabets are not corrosive. It doesn't uh, slash onto one another. They have that means the writers are intelligent, clear of thought, able to organize, not confuse, great organization. And this is 7th century. This is when the Quran was, uh, Islam first comes about, and people say, oh, well, Islam was, the area Arab was, the Arab world was very, very um, violent, and that's why Islam came around to bring peace, but it's exactly the opposite. Now, if you go back, that is, that is 7th century. Again, you see another picture on a white paper. Again, the artwork is beautiful. This is Quranic art, okay? It's an old Quran. You can see the space. There's no overlapping. There's no slashing of the alphabets. Uh, there's no um, intertwined alphabets. There's, there is there is respect between the characters of the Arabic script. There is no, uh, there's not many dots, not many accents. It's not claustrophobic. Again, you go to the third picture and it's the same. It's beautiful Quranic artwork. You may not like the Quran, you may not understand it, but the art is fantastic. This is 7th and 8th century. Just look at that, the space. What is it telling you? This is a polygraph of the people of the time. That means they were not violent. Islam tells you they were violent people. They were far from violent. They were respectful. They were educated. This is an ed people who are educated. People who have knowledge. People who have, have been taught... Um, have been taught how to read and write long before Islam came around because you can't bring um, handwriting from the middle of the desert in, in 10 years, all of a sudden you become a great calligrapher. It doesn't work like that. It's an extension of who you are. Um, so you have, again, script. Now you come to the Blue Quran. Absolutely amazing. Just look at it. It is complete paradise. Complete, utter paradise. It is so so spaceful so respectful the 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 uh, artist is very knowledgeable the artist is very in intellectual he has uh, a lot of a lot of character again next slide you see a lot of character uh, space respect 
And it goes on, it goes on until you come to the 9th, 10th century, and it is insulting to the core. Um, this, my dear friend, is a volcanic eruption. Okay, we've spoken about it before. It's an absolute volcanic eruption that has erupted, and the currents have formed its ways and have come down to, uh, to take its course. It's like you're on the beach. A huge current is forming, a huge wave is forming, and it comes crashing down. But it doesn't come immediately. It takes time. So you can see that on the Quranic script. And if you go to the Taj, if you go to the pictures of the Taj, you will see higher up the Quranic script does not match the artwork of the Taj. It tells you a different story. The graphology tells you, it shows you a polygraph that the Quranic script doesn't come from the same era as the artwork. There are two different eras completely. They are a thousand years apart. And through graphology, you can understand the polygraph of the writing of the art <coughs> in on the Taj <coughs> and compared with the artwork you can do it the same thing for Humayun's tomb Akbar Makbara you can do it for the um, the Lucknow uh, the the Makbaras in Lucknow um, it is amazing you can use it I suggest you do your research I suggest you use polygraphs, understand what graphology is, how you can use it as a polygraph to, to decode uh, architectural marble structures in India, and you can tell whether if it's an Islamic uh, mosque and if there's artwork that doesn't match, you can use it to tell the difference between uh, the two writings, the two artworks, and you can tell which century it comes from, whether it matches the century, the, the art and the writing matches, you can tell immediately whether these are completely two different eras. Um, so the, the subject is called graphology, and it can be used to decipher uh, the time, the era with which was written down, or uh, calligraphy was used and in comparison with the actual structure itself. So that is graphology in order to decipher uh, structures, architectural structure and ancient art. There is something else I want to bring about to you today uh, to, to decipher art, uh, um, to decipher architecture. Now in India you have a lot of churches, okay, plenty of churches. Uh, you just have to Google it and say churches, ancient churches in India. And you will see multiples of these churches. Multiples, multiples, multiples. But how do you know when they were built? I mean, you could say a lot of things. The paperwork can say a lot of things. Um, but you don't know whether they're telling you the truth. So we've spoken about this before, and we are going to speak about this again. It is important, this chapter is about dis deciphering uh, the ancient marvels in India, that which have not been colonized and that which have been colonized. You can, you can do this for all around the world. It's important. That's why I'm dedicating this entire podcast to it. I hope you will take this and, and use it to go around India and wherever you go, you can you can use it to um, decode and these architectural marvels and 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 
release your mind from the pressure of colonization, okay? Because I know it's very difficult. We're looking at all these marbles and we're saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. So I'm giving you knowledge to decipher it and to heal, to offload the pressure and, and do your research and share the research with your friends. So we're going to go to ancient churches, okay? On my Facebook page, again, I have posted some churches. Now, I've started with churches in, in Europe, in France. The first picture is the Saint-Étienne Church in Bourges, which is the center of France. If you notice this, they have support beams on the outside. Okay, it looks like, oh my God, Renaissance art, it's beautiful art, Victorian art, Gregorian art, whatever art. The bottom line is their massive supports on the outer columns, uh, on the outside of the church. So support columns, okay? If you're building a new structure, the support beams will be on the inside. You won't have supports on the outside. Why do you have supports on the outside if you have a brand new structure? People think this is art, this is ancient art, and um, it's not, it is ancient. But there's a reason for the support. It's because the structure was already standing. So the main structure was standing. Okay, They didn't want to break it down because it's very painful and it's a lot of money and a lot of time to break it. Because you understand they're going to break it. They don't have machines as we have today. So they have to break it. It'll take time. It'll take money. Then you have to take the stones away. You have to rebuild the foundation. So they put support beams. So you see the support beams all over the church on the outside. And then they can reinforce the structure and they can build over it. That means they can increase the, the height of the structure. But that's because there are support beams all over the structure. Uh, from the outside and probably from the inside too. So this is the Saint Etienne Church in... Um, the, the Saint-Étienne Church in Bourges, which is the center of France. Uh, the next picture I've given you is the, is the Notre Dame Cathedral. Now, we know the Mont Notre Dame Cathedral about four years or five years ago. It was burnt. Uh, the roof was burnt and it just came down. Uh, it was a very painful sight. And look, I am not, I'm an ex-Christian. I don't follow it, but I, my heart sunk. I, my heart sunk. I just could not take it. Not because it's a church. Uh, but because it was, um, it, it's an architectural marvel for the world. You understand? It's an architectural marvel. It needs absolutely to uh, be preserved for for history, for legacy. Now look at the picture. I put it on you. Okay, um, the fire collapsed in the fire. The scaffolding in the area also collapsed, and uh, the entire roof was engulfed with flames and eventually collapsed. But you can see um, the Notre Dame Cathedral. Again, they are massive supports on the outside. And it's attached to the long cylindrical hall. Okay, Because that was an original structure. It was already there. It was two pieces, I think. I'm not sure. The whole YouTube video is, the whole video is on YouTube. Um, and they, they, what they did was they put supports on the outside reinforce the columns and the main hall and build around it. So you think that, okay, this is an art form. It's not an art form. I mean, it looks art to you and to me, yes, but it is an architectural necessity if you're using a previous structure, 
okay? Very, very important to note. Every time you see these supports on the outside, that means there's a previous structure. Now, I got the third, um, the third church for you. It is the Cordoba Cathedral in Spain, okay? Which was once uh, an Islamic colony. Islam occupied this region and said it, it, it used this uh, cathedral as a mosque. They said it broke down. They bought it down. It was once uh, a Christian church. Uh, Church, they bought it down. They bought it from the Christians. They bought it down and rebuilt again. Uh, I'm sorry, that's a lie. Okay, and here is how we know that it is not Islamic. I've posted it onto my website, and again, you see the Cordoba Cathedral. There are support beams on the outside, my dear friends. There's support beams on the outside. Look at it very clearly on the side. Uh, I can see one, two, three, four um, support beams, and I got another picture of it. There are support beams again on the. Oh, I don't think I, I posted the second one. Uh, so you see, anyway, there are support beams on the on the main uh, cylindrical hall. Uh, there are support beams. So if there are support beams, that means this is the original structure that predates 711 AD. It's there. They put the support beams and they just continued. Um, so this is a very, very ancient structure. More than 1400 years old. Um, definitely more than 1400 years old. Now, if uh, Islam says, uh, look, okay, it was the, the, the supports were put by um, by the Christians after it was taken over uh, by them from the Muslims. Then you see all those uh, these roofs, external roofs. Okay, um, this would not have been there because this is added only after the support is added to the main church. That means all these these roofs over here, these smaller roofs that are attached to the main church. If that was added afterwards, all the Islamic art that they say it's Islamic is under these small roofs over here. You can see it very clearly on my on my website. Um, it's like a folded paper that you fold the paper and you open it and you get these um, you get these cone shaped roofs uh, like waves. Uh, so you see the entire Cate uh, Cordoba Cathedral. All of the external uh, roofs, the smaller wave-like roofs, uh, they're added afterwards. They're not added before because it has to be added to a structure that already existed. And if that structure already existed, the support beams then are added on the outside. And once those support beams are added on the outside, then only can you add the external um, roofs and the external uh, attachments to the main hall. And so... If all the Islamic architecture is in the external main external halls, then that means it, it doesn't make any sense because uh, those halls were only added after the support, and the support is added because it, it there's an original structure, and it's only added. Islam never adds external uh, external support. You can see it very very clearly. Any mosque you go to, they they don't add external supports. The only the this is very very um, uh, European Christian architecture. They they use support beams uh, to reinforce existing structures. So Cordoba 
is not a mosque at all. It was used, it was colonized, but it's never been a mosque. It's very important for you to understand these support beams. Any church you go to Europe, any church you go to Europe, anywhere in the world, if you see support beams, that, that means there was a previous structure and they reinforced it and all they have done is used the same thing again. Um, and the reason I'm bringing you this, very important for you to understand, we're going to go to something that's very important to me, the Bon, the bon Jesus Basilica in... Um, in, uh, in Goa, okay, old Goa. We have spoken about this before, my friends, but I need to talk to you about it again. Please do the research, I beg you, please, I join my hands to you, do the research and spread the news. Look at the Bon Jesu Basilica. There are support beams on the outside. Uh, what is it telling you? It was a previous structure, okay? A previous structure and they've added supports once they added support, they can external support beams. All they got to do is now they can increase the height of the structure. It's very, very easy to do that. Um, very easy to do that. But you have to put the support beams. And it's telling you um, a story that this is not an original church. It is something else. And um, absolutely, uh, it is something else. And... It's, it's definitely not a church. So the Portuguese Empire revamped the place, uh, used the structure, did not bring it down. And, and now today we have the Bonjes Basilica. Um, if you go opposite the Bonjes Basilica, you will see another church just opposite, okay? And that basilica is, uh, that church is called the Say Cathedral. It's, it's much more beautiful than the basilica, much, much, much more beautiful. Um, but one thing is important, as you see the Say Cathedral, there are no external supports. No external supports. This one took 60 odd years to build. The Basilica took 11 years to build. Okay. Uh, so if there are no external supports, what does it mean? It's a brand new church. They do say it was a previous structure that was there. They bought it down and they built again on the top. Which is okay, but at least it's a brand new structure. Okay, that is for sure. So say S-E Cathedral uh, Goa. Okay, just Google it and you will see a lot of pictures on it. Uh, no external supports, meaning brand new structure, and you compare it to the church that's opposite the, the Bon Jesus Basilica, and you will see supports means a previous structure, and you can see also it looks very run down because the Say Cathedral is relatively new. It's about 400 years old. So what is it telling you? It could tell you a whole story. You have to define who was there before, who was in this area before, and you can tell who was using those structures before uh, the Portuguese came. Now, if you see in churches uh, with these support beams, if you see mezzanine floors on the in in the along the cylindrical eye um, cylindrical aisles of the church, you know, and the supports on the outside and the cylind and there's mezzanine floors on the inside, you know one hundred percent that these were synagogues. 
okay? Because only the Jews had cylindrical aisles. There were plenty of Jews in Goa, so that way you know it's a cylindrical, you know it's a synagogue. But if there's no cylindrical aisles and they have support beams on the outside, what is it telling you? That it was a temple before. Okay, it was a, a temple. They rebranded it, removed the temple structures, and uh, made it in the church because ancient churches are actually Roman temples, and Roman temples were no different from the Vedic temples in India because they shared the same ideology, same mentality. They were just two worlds apart. So it's very easy to take an old ancient temple and reconvert it into a church. Very, very easy. If you look at the design structure, uh, you will see it's exactly the same. So if you see mezzanine flows uh, in a church, old church in Goa or anywhere in India, you see mezzanine flows, that means it was a previous structure, it was definitely a Jewish temple. And if you see on the same church, you see support beams, that means it was external support beams, that means you know that it was a previous structure. So um, those are two things that you can use to decipher ancient churches. You can also use handwriting, the artwork, uh, to tell what era this was born, this was uh, given, written down, or uh, um, or uh, drawn uh, or used on this on this monument. Uh, you can tell whether it matches the monument. So there's a lot of things you can use. And it's important for all of you to know this. And if you ever go, you spend some time going around India, going around ancient churches, temples, mosques, uh, you know these are rebranded structures. And this is important for you um, as a society, as youth. Take your time to go to these ancient structures, learn about them, learn about the art, you learn to decipher them and release that pressure, that anger and heal. Because once you know what it is, you can look at the layers and layers of art and you can join the dots and you can help clean uh, the knowledge, release, um, understand the atwa, all that lies in between and rejoice and heal and one day move on and we will reconnect these thoughts and bring the Vedic civilization back to life. So I hope I was a little bit, uh, I gave you some information that was worth the while and that you could help you. I know we've talked about this before, but I wanted to dedicate an entire chapter to it for the simple reason that uh, this is very, very important to me. This is very important to a new generation uh, who can use this. Please uh, have this conversation with your friends, any five friends, ask them to have a conversation with five friends, share the photos on my Facebook page, use it as much as you want, because I've taken it from the internet myself, so use it, uh, decipher it, and, and, and have fun with it, and the more fun you have with it, the more you will heal, the more knowledge you will get, and the more we will all join dots and resurrect with a new, uh, new Vedic society, and we will heal along with our ancestors who left us these architectural marvels. So I thank you for your time. You have yourself a great day, a great evening. Stay safe and peace to all of you, my friends.